Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that I had a miracle cure that would guarantee you and your family living to a ripe old age whilst feeling vigorous, fit and fabulous. Would you be interested? Well, I do. It's called Healthy Living. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Healthy Living for Families Made Easy. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I hope you're feeling amazing. Today we're talking parenting and we're talking all about our relationship with our kids and how we need the energy to look after our children. And we're talking about not yelling at our kids. And I'm super excited for this conversation because it's something that's very close to my heart. I have four children who are aged between 12, nearly 13 and 8. So they're very close together. And oh my goodness, they make so much noise. And they have big emotions. And these big emotions just sort of bounce around and feel off, feed off each other. And I actually have made a recent breakthrough and have decided that when my children are stroppy and grumpy and having these big emotions, I am just going to envelope them in sort of bundle of love and give them a little bit of love. Now, I know this sounds very easy to do. This morning, it worked very well. My daughter was stroppy, and I just gave her a big hug and said, I love you. Now, I would also like to add that I had just got back from my two kilometer swim in the sea. So my energy levels were feeling high, and I was feeling great. And I think this is really one of the big key pieces is that When our energy levels are low, we don't have anything to give our children. When our batteries are on empty, we haven't got that energy to give to our children. And essentially, that's what our children are saying. They're sort of crying out for help and saying, I need some help. I don't know how to deal with my emotions. And it is exhausting dealing with other people's emotions. I find it hard enough having to deal with my own emotions, let alone for other people's emotions. So I'm super excited to welcome Amanda Rota from Messy Motherhood. And she's going to be talking to us all about this and what we can do about it. And then on Friday, I'm super, super excited to be co-hosting. Well, she's basically hosting a workshop called Three Mistakes Parents Make When Trying to Get Their Kids to Listen. So I'm going to be there and I'm super excited to go to that workshop because I love Amanda's work and I know that she just makes it so easy for everybody. So I'm really looking forward to Friday and I hope that you can come. And on another note, if you're not in the Facebook group, then come and join the Facebook group because I'm doing a Thursday Facebook Live, which is at 1pm Eastern time. 
And that's a new feature, which has been going really, really well. I'm not sure what it's going to be about this week, because normally I do it on the same topic as the podcast. But as Amanda is doing the workshop on Friday, I will think of something different to do. And Amanda's workshop is at 12pm Eastern time. So if you are on my email list, if you get emails telling you when the podcasts are, I will show you how to sign up for Amanda's workshop. If not, I'll leave a link in the show notes. So fabulous, fabulous. Welcome, Amanda, and let's dive in. Hello, Amanda. Welcome to Fit and Fabulous. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming. Now, let's just dive right in. We're going to talk about anger and children and parents. And I love this topic because as much as I try not to get angry with my pe- my kids, I think they are the big thing that triggers me in my life. And I think also having four children, I find that they feed off each other. And I often Mm -hmm. try and go in and try and calm the situation. And then afterwards just think, all I did was joined in. And that isn't really what I want to do. So tell me where I'm going wrong. (laughs) That's such a big question. I know, I'm only joking. But, you know, what advice do you give to parents? Well, I always tell parents that you can have all the best parenting tools in the world, but you aren't able to use any of the tools that you have if you're reacting out of emotion. So we have to really take care of ourselves first and figure out what our triggers are, what causes us to get um, so spun up and so angry ourselves so that we can then stay calm and handle all those sibling issues or child parenting or like kid issues that um, children have with their behavior before, you know, we have to deal with our anger first in order to handle that situation. I love that. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think it's really easy to say that and we set off with good intentions and then, you know, we do it really well for a little bit. And then after a while, things just tend to creep back. So how do you teach people how to do that? Well, the first thing we always start with is you, right? Like, like I said, like you have to focus on you first and the you piece is not just a lot of times people think self-care, like I need to do more things to make me happy, take more time for myself, take breaks, all that stuff. And that's good. It's a good piece of the puzzle, but there's so much more to our mindset and our negative thought processes and the things that we tell our, like the stories that we tell ourselves throughout the day about ourselves and about our kids that a lot of people aren't even aware of or processing, but those stories influence our reactions to our children. So like for an example, um, my older son said something extremely rude to my younger son the other day. And I could have jumped in and been like, why did you say that? That's so rude, blah, blah, blah. But in my head, the story about my son is that he really is a good kid who's not a rude child. So I just responded with, you know, did you realize that that was rude? And he's like, no, that's just what people say when they get angry. I'm like, no, that was rude. And we had a conversation around, you know, a better way of getting his needs met or saying what he needed to say that wasn't quite so rude. But because I had that filter of my child is a good kid, I was able to respond more calmly than if I had a filter of, oh my gosh, he's being rude again, or he's, that was extremely rude. And I get triggered by that. I am more likely to react out of anger. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I totally noticed with my children that whatever I, whatever emotion I go in with 
they amplify it. So if yes. I can go in with calm and, okay, let's try and calm this down. Now, clearly that doesn't work immediately and it's quite difficult to do. But if I go in with snap, 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 and you shouldn't say this and you shouldn't say that, then suddenly they're super angry and upset. And it's mm-hmm. like I've poured gas, I've poured oil onto yes. the fire and I just make the whole thing worse. Yes, absolutely. Because humans are reactionary and we have a tendency to, um, our nonverbals and our, even our verbals will match other people. So that's why, like, I don't know if you've ever worked with like young children, like if you want them to get quiet, you whisper and they will actually get quieter because they match your, your tone and your inflection. And the same thing happens with all humans. So if we go in with, you know, blazing angry they are going to automatically get defensive they're going to start putting up walls they're going to get angry and start yelling even more because they're trying to like almost self-protect right as i'm sure any adult has felt before like if someone comes at you like mad at you you get defensive right away and you start putting on that defensive posture and that's exactly what our kids do so if we come in from a calmer place it and from a place of I, I like the phrase getting curious, not furious. So if we get curious, like, why is this happening? What's going on? You try to help problem solve with your children and you come in from that, like, how can I help my child? Then you're going to get more um, cooperation from your children and less of defensiveness because you're there to help. And they see you as a helping person instead of the hammer, right? Yeah, absolutely. I guess one of my questions is when my children are busy arguing, um, so mm-hmm. th- take this example of yesterday. My two oldest boys are 13, sorry, nearly 13, 12 and 10. And they mm-hmm. were just in our little garden doing a little bit of rough and tumble. And they're boys mm-hmm. and they quite like being physical. And yes. three minutes previously, I'd said to them, okay, guys, just, you know, keep a level on it, hoping they knew how to communicate which clearly they didn't because about three minutes later, they're screaming and shouting and there's this whole anger about he hurt me and it was him first and he didn't stop. And so now I've got two super cross children Mm -hmm. and I want to go in and calm them down, except they're still cross and angry. So how do I deal with that situation? Sure. So a lot of times when kids are angry and cross, like mad at each other, they want to be heard right? They're yelling because nobody's listening to them, whether it be their brother or you, or like, they just don't feel like they're being heard and they're mad about something. So if we can go in and let our children know, like, I get it. So a lot of times with siblings, if you just walk in and you say, Hey, it looks like you guys are having a really hard time cooperating a really hard time, you know, right now, how can I help with this? Like, I can say, I can see that you're mad about blah, blah, blah. I can see that you're mad about blah, blah, blah. And that helps kind of diffuse the situation instead of going in and saying, you guys need to stop. I told you not to do this and blah, 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 those kind of things. Again, it raises that defensiveness. So if you go in and say, I get it, like you guys are roughhousing and it got too, too rough and he got hurt and that's a really crummy situation. How can I help you or how can we help solve this? That um, kind of helps diffuse things and moves into more of the problem solving stage instead of just like, I told you not to, right? But a lot of <laughs> yeah. us get into because <laughs> we're triggered, especially with our own kids fighting. It's highly triggering for so many parents, but it's recognizing that they are still learning how to cooperate. They're still learning how to, um, you know, social interactions with their siblings and how to get their needs met in kind ways with their sibling. Yeah, I think it's really important to remember that they're children and that these are skills that 
a lot of adults are still learning. In fact, actually, Absolutely. part of the whole conversation that we're having is about teaching us the skills that we expect our parents <laughs> to have, sorry, our children yeah. to have. Yes. So, yeah, I think that is a really valid point. On the defence of parents, I would say one issue is the incessantness of it all. You know, when you've yes. had that kind of day of we've been doing this emotional work and now mm-hmm. can we just have a break and I'm on the phone yeah. to my mum or something like that. And then it's like, oh, not again. <laughs> Well, and, and the truth is, is you're not going to be perfect at this. I mean, I teach parents how to stay calm all the time and I still have my not so pleasant moments because I'm human. And that's one of the things that I'm always trying to instill in all of my clients and my students is that we're not going for perfection here. We're going for less frequency and less intensity. So it happens less often and where you're not becoming that big green, like Hulk angry mom, like outside of yourself in anger. And to recognize that you are going to have those moments that aren't going to be perfect. And the most important thing is the repair work afterwards, because that shows your children that people get angry. You may mess up and here's some steps to, um, to apologize and to make up for the mistakes that you made. It shows your children that everyone makes mistakes and it teaches them how to um, repair that relationship by modeling it. Um, and so not only do we teach parents how to kind of stay calm, we also teach that um, apology um, and repair work afterwards because you're not going to be perfect. And trying to strive for perfection is just going to make you feel like crap, right? <laughs> and so it's recognizing that you're going to have days when you're just like up to your ears with stress and overwhelm and then your kids do something and you blow it. And to have a little bit of grace with yourself and be like, that that's okay. It happens. It's part of being human. Yeah, I love that. And I think as well, the the amount of time. So sometimes, you know, I look back in our family life and think there have been times when we've had episodes that have just Mm -hmm. felt like they lasted for hours and hours. And now they might last for a few minutes. And that in itself is huge progress. Absolutely. And one of the things I um, ask my students to do as well is to track their days, because a lot of times, like some of them will have like a bad moment in the morning and they'll see that as being the whole day was completely horrible. Right. And they have completely just forgotten all the other good things that happened during the day. And so I have them track it. I'm like, how many bad days have you actually had? We call them red, green, red days and green days. And a lot of times they're like, oh, I thought that every single day was a red day, but really we were just having little moments, but most of the day was pretty green. And just kind of being able to change that mindset a little bit about that you're not really messing up your children all day. You're not yelling all day long. You have bad moments. And those are just moments we're going to repair afterwards. And the point is to have fewer of those moments over time. And that's why we like to track to kind of keep up with how things are. Yeah. Like constantly focusing on the positive rather than dwelling on the negative. Right. Because we have humans have a tendency to always lean towards the negative. Like we're really good about finding all the ways that we're horrible or the way messed up or (laughs) all the bad stuff. And it takes more effort for us to pick out the positives and to actually see the ways that we are succeeding. Um, And so that's one of the practices too, is like we have to practice seeing those positive things we already are doing and how to incorporate more of those into your life Um, and to be aware of them. Because a lot of us just aren't even aware of the good stuff that we're doing. We're so focused on all the ways we've screwed up. Fabulous, (laughs) fabulous. Can I take you back a little bit to that Mm -hmm. repair work? So, I mean, you talk about it in terms of adults, but as well, it's something that children need to learn between themselves and it's not something that they naturally learn. So, or sorry, naturally know. How can we teach our kids that repair work? 
Right. So the first thing always starts with us and we have to be able to model that for our kids. And so by showing them our repair work, but also to, um, yeah, between each other, it's more about picking out the feelings instead of just saying, okay, tell your brother, you're sorry and move on. Like, sorry, you know, and it doesn't really have any meaning to it. Instead, it's having these conversations of, you know, this happened when you hit your brother, it really hurt him. And you kind of point out the emotions behind it. Or when you took that from your brother, it really hurt him. And he hurt his feelings. You see that he's crying because of this happened. And that's where you go. That's where the child can be like, oh, yeah. And they're because they're not always aware of their actions having consequences. And so it's it's almost we call it sports casting in the positive parenting space where you just talk about what happened. You don't put any judgment to it. You say, listen, like he, he was hurt because this thing happened. You know, what do you think about that? And you start having kind of a conversation around it. And that's where that sincere apology comes from. And that's where you can start having that, like, I really am sorry what that happened. And then we move into, okay, so this happened. How are we going to fix it? Right. So, you know, your brother has a toy that you really wanted, you know, but he still has it what do you think we should do about that? And you kind of, you can give some ideas. If they're older, you can have them come up with some ideas so they can get their needs met, but it must always go into that kind of like problem solving. Like, how do you fix this? Like, you know, when your kids are wrestling in the garden, like, do you guys need a code word? Like somebody yells banana and that's like your fail. That's like your stop, you know, like what, what can you guys do? So this doesn't happen again. And so there's some of that problem solving piece in there too. And so do you recommend, waiting until everybody's calmed down and they're no longer yes. triggered. Yeah, absolutely. You have to <laughs> because <laughs> their brain is functioning and we call the lizard brain, like they're, it's pure emotion. And, um, and the last part of the brain to develop really is that higher functioning thinking logical part of the brain and impulse controls there too. Um, and so they, you need the parents to kind of help them problem solve and figure things out, but they can't, they can't physically get to problem solving because their brain isn't physically working there, right? It's all in that lower limbic, you know, just pure. As Dr. Siegel says, give your brain a hug, a brain hug. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's getting them calm. And you do that by using that empathy piece. I see this, this has happened. Your feelings are really hurt. That that de-escalation stuff helps them get calm. And then you can move into the repair work and problem solving afterwards. Fabulous. I think I'm always a little bit impatient. I'm a bit like, come on, we can sort this out in five minutes. And actually, I need to slow down and listen to them a little bit more, be led more by them and just wait till the time is right. Yes. Yeah. Sure. So the other thing that we started talking about, which we sort of sidetracked, is this idea of self-care, which I think I absolutely love because mm-hmm. it goes hand in hand with what I'm teaching And this idea that really it's very difficult to teach our children all of these emotional things and to not shout at our children when we're not taking care of ourselves. So I'd love you to speak a little bit about that. Well, I've got a lot of feelings about (laughs) self-care because I think that because I because it's really important. It is. Um, But I feel like the culture around parenting right now has kind of made self-care very difficult, especially for your young parents, because we make it seem like you have to spend all this time away from your kids and that it is something you must do. And it can feel very selfish for parents. It can feel very unattainable for parents. And when things feel unattainable, people just stop trying. 
And, and we also think that self-care is like the end all we're like, if I do self-care, then I won't be angry anymore, but actually you need more than just self-care. Self-care is a piece and it's an important piece, but we also need to learn like what we touched on a few minutes ago is what are the stories that you're telling yourself? What are those negative, I call them negative thought monsters that sit on your shoulder and like whisper negative things in your ears all day long. Like what is, you know, what are the things that you're telling yourself all day long that's putting you into like this negative space? And then we have to learn how to like advocate for ourselves. So if we need a bit of self-care, we need to be able to stand up for ourselves and say, hey, listen, I really need to go do this right now. Can you please watch the children? And being able to advocate for yourself is really important as well. Um, And boundaries and all that stuff goes in there as well. And so self-care is a piece of the puzzle, but there's more to it. It's almost like having a, um, a three leg stool. And if you're missing one of the stools, you're going to have a really hard, missing one of the legs. I'm sorry. You're gonna have a really hard time staying upright. So we need to be focusing on the self-care. We also need to be really thinking about all those negative thoughts and how to have boundaries and how to advocate for yourself. And those are all really important pieces. And it feels like a lot but I promise it's not. It's just being aware of it, right? And awareness really is the key. A lot of times parents, well, humans walk around with blinders on and we're not even aware of the stories that we're telling ourselves. We're not aware of our negative thoughts. We're not aware that, you know, I had a client who was getting frustrated because the husband would just like go, okay, I'm going to go jump on the treadmill and go for a run. And she's like, I want to just go for a run and jump on the treadmill. But she wasn't ever just like, taking the space to go do that. She wasn't advocating for herself to just like tell him, okay, I'm going to go jump on the treadmill. The kids are yours. And once she started doing that, she realized that that was her missing piece. That was her missing leg on the stool was the advocacy piece. Um, But it all comes back to awareness and recognizing what you're missing. So it doesn't take extra time necessarily. It's just that awareness of the story and awareness of, are you advocating for yourself? Are you bringing in self-care? Are you, you know, having these negative thoughts? Cause self-care doesn't have to be hard. I mean, self-care can be as easy as going to go check the mail and taking a few breaths in the warm sunshine. You know, that is self-care. Um, it can be putting on music and having a dance party with your kids. It can be doing all of these things, but you have to be aware that you need it. And you can be, you can do large amounts of self-care with your kids and it can be really simple. Um, but we have a, t- have a tendency to think of self-care as like all of this time away from your kids. So you can get a pedicure or take a bath or go for a run or like, it doesn't always have to mean without kids. And I think that's a disservice that we've given a lot of parents is like, take a break and remove yourself from your children when you don't always have to do that. I absolutely agree. I think that's, and I 100% agree, it always starts with self-awareness. And the other thing I'd like to add is, it's all about habits as well. Like when you talk about those negative thought monsters, they're just habits as well. They're just habits in the way that we think. And how do we change our habits? Well, the first step is to be aware that we have our habits. Yes, absolutely. And self-care can be a super easy habit. I mean, you teach this with your people too. It's like, you know, just finding quick, simple things you can do during the day um, that are just normal parts of your routine and you're automatically building a self-care. And I think a lot of us are doing self-care. We just aren't aware that it's self-care and we're not taking a moment to recognize that we're doing something for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that really has to be key as well. It's like recognizing I'm doing this for myself right now. And that's kind of the important part of self-care too. Yes, absolutely. And I would just like to echo your statement about making it doable and I always think if it's easy 
and fun, it's it will get done. And if it's not easy right. and fun, it's not going to get done. So right. absolutely. So yeah. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Do you have any You're last welcome. words of wisdom for us? Uh, I don't know. I think that to not beat up yourself if you do end up yelling at your children every once in a while. Um, it happens to the best of us and it's part of being a parent and not that I'm saying you should, it's okay to have like a free for all yelling. It's just, I don't want you to anybody to walk away feeling that they're terrible parents because they yell. I feel in my point of view, the good parents are the ones who are yelling because they care so darn much. If you didn't care, then you wouldn't get so emotional about it. And so that's the important piece for me is recognizing that you are a good parent because you care so much and you're emotionally invested in your children. We just have to tweak a few things so that all that love and care doesn't come out as anger. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've listened to this podcast, it shows that you're trying to change and that's the first step. Yeah. You're a great parent. You're already doing it. Fabulous. And tell us about the services you have and where people can find more about you. Sure. So I'm over at messymotherhood.com. I offer, um, I've got a group coaching program called Anger Free Parenting. Um, and then I have one-on-one coaching services as well. If you want just me and you don't necessarily want to be inside of a group, but it's all focused around um, anger and taking care of yourself so that you can be the best parent that you can be for your kids. It's so. fabulous. And I've spoken to some of the people who are in it and they say it's fabulous. Thanks. <laughs> That's good to hear. I'm really proud of it. It's a fun group. It's a fun program. Um, it's all based around like I said, taking care of yourself, but the next step is building teamwork with your kids so that you can have a a sense of team and belonging within your whole family. So you can get cooperation from them. And because so many people come to me and say, but I'm yelling because my kids, because my kids behavior, I'm like, but so much more than that, my kids don't listen because I yell. So we have to really focus in on the you piece and then figure out how to get the kids on board so that that's not your instinct to yell all the time. So yeah. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. So there you go. A big thank you, Amanda, for that fabulous podcast. And remember to come and join us for the workshop on Friday. It's going to be amazing. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye. so much for listening to this podcast episode. Remember, you can sign up for Dr. Orlina's Simple System to Healthy Living for Families at drorlena.com slash simple dash system. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you share it with somebody else who would also benefit so that I can reach more people and help more people live healthily. And lastly, if you are interested in working with a coach, then just email me at orlina at drorlina.com and we can set up a time to chat. Absolutely no obligation. I love chatting. So come and chat with me. Bye-bye.